Our first scripture reading this morning is taken from Acts chapter 27, verses 29 through 35. Uh, Please follow along with me or view the words on the screen. Fearing that we might run on the rocks, they led down four anchors from the stern and prayed for the days to come. But when the sailors tried to escape from the ship, and had lowered the boat into the sea on the pretext of putting out anchors from the bow. Paul said to these Santrium and to the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and set it adrift. Just before daybreak, Paul urged all of them to take some food saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been in suspense and remaining without food, having eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will help you survive, for none of you will lose your hair from your heads. After he had said this, he took the bread and giving them thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word to this people, and we would ask that you would guide us, direct us by the Holy Spirit, and cause us to say that which will honor and glorify our Lord and encourage this people in their walk with the Lord. We pray that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts, will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to Jude 24. One little chapter in this book, a great chapter, one that's neglected often in today's world. It deals with apostasy. A departure from the faith. You say, well, we're we're Bible-believing Presbyterians. Why are you preaching to us? Well, there's collective apostasy, and then there's individual apostasy. And the individual apostasy eventually and ultimately becomes corporate apostasy. That's the reason the statistics recently given that 29% of the people in America are in a church on a Sunday morning. That's the reason that churches all over our country are just falling apart. Some of the denominations have been assaulted in such a way that it breaks your heart just to hear what is happening. Recently, a a church of friends of mine, I preached there many times for them uh, in order to become separate from their parent denomination that has become apostate, That's they, they would tell you this, had to spend a, a half a million dollars to be free from them. And it goes on and on and on. Uh, 60 years ago, I was an itinerant evangelist. And the, the little churches that we were in at that time, over half of them are closed. In different parts of the country, as you travel, you see closed churches here just It's just a constant thing. Recently, I had lunch with a friend of mine who's a retired bishop of the Lutheran Church, and he told me over half of the Lutheran churches in York did not open after COVID was over. And this is a tragedy. 
Regardless of the denomination, over and over they are affected and, and the infliction comes upon them. And there's not a denomination that's not been affected. Regardless of how strong they were at one time, the toll has been taken. Now, what is the answer? I believe the answer is in the book of Jude. I believe the answer is in the word of God. Do you really believe? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, in our own county, just think of this. Lancaster Bible College celebrated their 90th anniversary. And they did that by faith because it's a faith-supported organization. Nobody underwrites it. Subscriptions are not sold. People give among their heart here in Lancaster County 90 years of serving the Lord. And look at this church over and over. But churches just like this one in many parts of America today are darkened. The doors are not unlocked. The lights are not turned on. The choir is not singing. The preacher is not preaching. And why? Because, I'll give you a word. To me, it's almost a cuss word. Secular humanism. You don't need God. You don't need the Bible. You don't need the Christian faith. It isn't true and it doesn't work. Well, I have news for you. It is true and it does work. I have seen some of the most astounding things done by Almighty God in the last 65 years of my Christian experience that a man could ever speak of. I'm going to test of my own heart of what God has done in my life is a testimony that only God could do. And I was afflicted with a dread disease that would have eventually institutionalized me and God healed me. I've gone, I've, I said to my wife the other day, if, if I would, depending on where I was when the affliction would attack, God only knows what would have happened, but God delivered me and I've had the most fabulous life that a human being could have. And you can too. And so as we look at Jude, the text is real simple. It's anchors. Uh, Paul said they cast out four anchors in the book of Acts. The ship was saved. The people were saved. And I believe that if you will cast out these anchors in your daily life, apostasy will have no effect upon you whatsoever. Uh, these anchors are simple, and the text is found in verse 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. These are the four anchors that we want you to cast and experience in your daily life. You say, do we need it? As wonderful as this church is, it needs it. Gwenston Church, they're dedicating their new sanctuary today. Gwenston, I think, I think maybe you guys are older than we are. We started in 1724, and I, I think someone told me this was 17. 
21 or something like that. You've been around a long time and you're staying in the faith and God has given you a godly, orthodox, Bible-believing pastor. This is just wonderful. It is not ordinary. It is not true everywhere. But I, along with all that's going on in the church world, in the environment that the church is in is really a negative thing. It's affected our classrooms from elementary right on through universities. If you've noticed any of the newscasts and any of the riots and what they're saying and the hatred that's generated, hatred like I've never seen. I've studied history on different levels from elementary to graduate school. I have never read of a time like this. The hatred, what about the hatred of the Holocaust? That was Germany. This is worldwide. The protests that are going on and the hatred that's generated is in every country on the globe. It's a different time. When our Lord presents a dilemma to us, however, he will always present directions to handle that dilemma. The dilemma presented in Jude is apostasy. Present-day academics with no practical experience spouting their unbelief, feeding it to their little students. You know, when, when you sit in front of a professor that's, that has all the degrees and has 20, 30 years experience, there's a tendency to believe him. I, I had a young man and, and uh, I was... I had six wonderful years at Round Hill Presbyterian as an interim. I went for six months and stayed six and a half years. Uh, I was like the guy, this guy was drinking milk and he didn't stop, he just drank all of it. I was there and couldn't leave. But anyhow, I had a young man who was very intelligent. He had all his math completed before he entered college. And I said, Zeke, I said, uh, I wanna give you a book I want you to read before you go to college. And I gave him a one volume on theology, practical, uh, systematic theology. Well, he took that book and then about two months later, he showed me his notebook, this thick of notes that he took. And then he went on to tell me later when he went, entered the school, the first class he was in, the teacher welcomed everyone, and then he finally said, and I hope we don't have any Jesus freaks in our class. Zeke put up his hat. He said, I don't know if trusting Jesus Christ and believing he's the son of God classifies me as a freak, but if it does, I am, and I invite you to continue the conversation at your convenience. Uh, he said, that was the last the man opened his mouth about Jesus freaks. But that isn't true in every case. Not everyone is as smart as Jesus. He finished his engineering degree in two years. Not everyone is that, has that grasp of, of information. And so it isn't a very, pleasant thing to think about. Unbelief is about as ugly as it gets. Think of it. Unbelief. Ich glaubsnick, the German says. In our text, we have four participles. You English people know all about that. 
A participle expresses a continuous action in the present. It parallels the aorist tense in Greek. It's present and at the same time continuous. And there, um, there are more, but I have four participles that I want to look at with you for a while. Um, they are simple, but they are anchors that will keep you steadfast and sure in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. First, there is a priority, building up your faith, fortifying your faith, making sure you know what you believe, make sure you know why you believe, make sure that you know it thoroughly enough that you can share your, what you believe with others. This is finding daily encouragement in the careful study of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 gives us instructions. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, when you were in, regardless of the level you were in school, maybe these little fellows yet, but I don't know, they're pretty sharp. They may have had tests. But see, the teacher gives a test twice to see if you are approved, to see if you have learned to see. And this is what God says, to study yourself, to show yourself approved unto God. And then he says, which is your reasonable service. It's not out of the ordinary. I want you to study so you know it. Naturally, some studies are a lot easier. If you've studied in organic chemistry, you found that's not that's not so simple. When they, you found you had 700 formulas to remember, you just about wanted to change courses. But God says, I want you to study the Word of God so you know it. Get Bible helps. Get a Bible dictionary. Or there's single commentaries that are just great. Uh, Jamison, Fawcett, and Brown is a single volume commentary that is just simply excellent that answers so many questions for the Bible students. But study the Word of God so you know it. It's the faith that we're to contend for. Jude 3 and verse says we're to earnestly contend for the faith. And the usage of the word in the Greek, that word contend, is to contend with all of your might. This is not a Sunday afternoon stroll. This is a real experience he wants you to have. It's the faith by which we've been saved. The same faith as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. These little guys, how did they receive Jesus into their hearts? By faith. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, by faith, so walk you in him. That's the direction he wants you, wants you to go. We build our faith by our daily prayer time. Public relations is wonderful. Private relations is absolutely essential. God wants you to be in the house of God, and it's so good to see all of you here because I've looked at a lot of wooden seats in my time, especially in recent years. I was... A couple, oh, time flies. Anyhow, I was, uh, this pastor has two Presbyterian churches. I preached in the one at 8.30 and I had 20 people. And then at 9, at 10.30, I preached in another one and it had 21, including a baby. Now that's rough. That's, that's a handful. I remember, and one is Pine Grove. 
I remember uh, participating with a musical group in that church, and the church was so full that we had to stay in the choir. We couldn't, we couldn't, they put us musicians. We were playing violins, and when we were finished, we couldn't go down. We had to sit, there was no room in the church. And so what you're experiencing here is really wonderful, and I just thank God for it. But what it means, we build our faith by our prayer time, by having a prayer list, by sharing our faith. Do you have a prayer list? Do you have things written down that you want the Lord to do? It's wonderful to do that. It's a wonderful experience. And I gave the illustration in the early service. When I came to Christ, our people came from Western North Carolina and they were hill, little hill churches and they weren't comfortable socially and uh, culturally in the churches where we came. And so a generation of our people dropped out of church. And so the result is we grew up with, we, we didn't even have a Bible in our home. The only Bible I ever had, I ever heard was in the classroom of the little elementary school. But when I came to faith in Christ, in God's grace and providence, I started to pray. I had an uncle that had 15 children. We grew up together. We were like brothers more so than cousins. And I remember starting writing down a name of all 15 of them and started praying for them. And by the grace of God, and no glory to me, it's just something that's available to everybody else. I saw every one of those people come to faith in Jesus Christ and lived godly, exemplary lives. And their children are following him today. And that sums up our, the need for a prayer list. If you... Unless you have everybody in your whole family, me, mine, mine, that know Christ, you need a prayer list. Because you say, you mean God honors that? Yeah. He, he's the one who said, call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things. What's greater than a changed life? You know, sometimes we look at people and we see a smile on their face and we never know what they've been through. I had a man in our church that when I met him, he was a drunkard. He was a woodsman. He'd come home Friday night drunk, bring his chainsaw in the house and start it up and wave it over the bed of his wife and kids. And I was asked to visit him. And I did. And I shared Christ with him. And I made it, I said, you know, this has to stop. You're going to be in trouble like you have never been in your life. And worst of all, one of the days you're going to go out into a crisis eternity. I remember, I never forget, he looked at me, he says, you mean God's interested in me? I said, yes. He died for people just like you. And we went, shared the word with him. And he says, oh, how can I know that? And we prayed and he received Christ. I'll never forget one Thanksgiving service, a little six-year-old boy. They were asked him, what are you thankful for? 
He said, I'm glad, I'm thankful that my daddy doesn't come home drunk anymore. The power of the gospel to change a life. Never discount it, never miss it. Put it on a prayer list and let God do it. He says, call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things. We build our faith by a daily prayer time, by having a prayer list, by sharing our faith and fellowshipping with the Lord's people. And then there's something else that's so important is scripture memorization. Hide that word in your heart so that you by memory can lead another person to Christ. That's the first anchor. Second anchor, there is a practice praying in the Holy Spirit. What's happening to our time? It's, you got on fast, fast time here in Cheston level. I believe because my clock is really flying. All right. All right the, the, the second, second anchor is a practice, praying in the Holy Spirit. We can only do this as we walk in the in Spirit that indwells all believers. And the Holy Spirit assists us as we pray. In Romans 8, 26 and 27, teaches us the Holy Spirit will aid us. I shared with folk, our Dr. Moore, our pastor at Gwinston, has said that there is occasions where he encounters situations that he doesn't know how to pray. And I said, well, what do you do? He says, well, first of all, I cry. And then I get on my knees and trust the Spirit of God to lead me how to pray. And that is praying by the aid of the Holy Spirit. It, is, it doesn't have to be a great dilemma, but it is helpful to know that you have it. And then the third anchor, there is a procedure. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. There's nothing more precious. I tell, we have children's class, little ones come up and our pastor teaches them. And uh, I said the most beautiful sound, when Dr. Moore closes in prayer, he has the little children follow him word for word in the prayer. And I said, that's the most beautiful sound in Gwinston Church on a Sunday morning is to hear 25 little children praying with their pastor. This is what's involved in this procedure, keeping yourselves in the love of God. And I just rejoice in how that operates. That means keeping our relationship with our Lord fresh and vibrant. Like in you, the part of your worship where you have the confession and doing that, stay up to date on that issue. It means to not allow any sin in our lives to get, go unconfessed. It means we're keeping ourselves in the conscious enjoyment of God's unchanging love. Uh, I think of so many, many verses fly through my mind. Think of one. Is the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is given to us. God does so much for you. When you come to him in faith and trusts him as a savior, he doesn't leave you on your own. He gives you the Holy Spirit to indwell you, that will enable you, that will instruct you, that will strengthen you, that will enable you to share your faith under some circumstances you think is impossible. Just think who that is, the Holy Spirit, 
The Westminster Confession, do you remember that one where it says the Holy Spirit equal in essence and power with the Father and with the Son indwells you? You're not on your own. You have an anchor, an anchor that will keep you tied fast, we say, and keep you active in the work of our Lord. And then there's another anchor. There's a prospect looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, his return. And I get real tired that when you say that is all a person wants to do is argue. I don't talk about when, because the Bible already told me only the Father in heaven knows. So why should I get all heated up about discussing and arguing with the time? But I will argue with the fact that he's coming. You know, God asks so little of us. When we gather at the table of our Lord for the sacraments, remember what he says? As, you, as oft as you eat this bread and then drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. What? What's the next one? Until he comes. He is returning. Do we have a text? I have a text. And it's not a why, it's not a when. It's a fact. Listen to this. Acts 1, 10 to 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Beloved, Christ is going to return. That's a wonderful, wonderful anchor. There's people that have gone through times and they prayed for the Lord's return. He didn't return. He gave grace and someone said, but what about the Holocaust? He gave grace for living and he gave grace for dying. God's grace is immeasurable and it's not limited to any group of people. This prospect looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the hope of our Lord's return must be kept before our minds as the beacon of light which leads us to the Father's house. Even so come, Lord Jesus. They're believers. I just had a book sent to me yesterday, got it in the mail yesterday. Uh, they written about Christians that are being persecuted today. I was preaching in India. I had a hundred pastors and we spent just a fabulous week together. And we came back into Hyderabad and I was preaching in the church of one of the pastors. And as we came out of the church, there was a crowd of people looking at us. And then they saw a white face, and then it just went like this. The next Sunday, they were there, and they stoned the congregation. For some reason or others in India, of all the places I've ever been, 
They have stones that are rounded. They're like big potatoes. And then you throw them like a baseball. And uh, Sam Paulson, the pastor now, is with the Lord. He was spared getting stoned to death. But he said the next Sunday, they got stoned. There were multiple injuries, broken noses, broken homes, broken teeth, and everything else. And then up in northern India, uh, the raiding Hindus raided the Christian churches, stoned them, and burned their buildings down. And they, the government approves it. There's a lot of believers that just go through literal hell on earth just because they name the name of Christ. But let me tell you something, believer, there's an anchor. There's that blessed hope. And whether we live or die, it's absent from the body and it's present with the Lord. And to live as Christ is dying aid. And the word of God and prayer and divine love and the blessed hope sustains us along the way as we're exposed to any kind of apostasy, any kind of unbelief. My thrust today is to prevent individual apostasy. You see, what's that like? The individual who experience is individual apostasy will experience the time when he no longer attends the worship of with God's people. But that's not where it starts. It starts when he stopped having private relations with the Lord and his walk. It stopped when he closed his Bible, when he got rid of his prayer list and he stopped sharing his faith. The last thing to go is the public show. I had, oh, <laughs> I could write a book on excuses. You know what excuse is? It's a skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Anyhow, these folk, I noticed they were missing. Somehow or another, I could take, and our, our church had five sections of pews, and I'd look over them and try to see who was missing because people are like just like you. You sit the same place every week. So if they're missing, anyhow, this family was missing. Next Sunday they were missing, I made a phone call, let them know we missed them and hope everything's, everything's okay. And then gradually it got so it was three weeks and then they'd come in and then it would be four weeks. And one time I called the home and the little 10 year old boy answered. And he said, well, pastor, I'll just tell you what daddy said. We just don't have time for church anymore. That was the real truth. But you know, that's sad. God asks so little of us. He wants us to pray continually without ceasing. He wants us to remember the Lord's broken body and shed blood. He wants us to meet with God's people on the Lord's day. He wants to give of our, from our income. And that's so little in light of what he has given. He's given us what money cannot buy. So as we come to the close of our time together, we are to look for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ.
You say, are we in danger? I'll give you a closing verse. In Luke 19, 13, uh, Luke 18, 18, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. What will happen to the 29% a year from now? What will the statistic be in 2024? What will it be? Just so it's not you. May God bless your hearts and lives. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you. What a joy it's been to share your word. Four simple anchors that will aid this people and never becoming apostate. Bless them, we pray, with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if there's anyone that's not sure of their salvation, we pray that you will lead them to call upon the name of the Lord. And you says this, if you call upon the name of the Lord, he will save you. So move upon that heart if it's a need. And cause this people to experience heaven's very best until Jesus comes. Amen.